Please turn in your Bible to Hebrews chapter 6. Yeah, as you're turning, you know, when we talk about better things or better days ahead, there's usually a sense of a weight or a cloud lifting or even the sense of hope beginning to shine in our life when we use that phrase. And that's today what we're going to be speaking on is better things. We're going to pick up in Hebrews chapter 6 and we're going to read verses 9 through 20. But beloved, we are convinced of better things concerning you and things that accompany salvation. Though we are speaking in this way, for God is not unjust so as to forget your work and the love which you have shown toward his name and having ministered and in still ministering to the saints. And we desire that each one of you show the same diligence so as to realize the full assurance of hope until the end, so that you will not be sluggish, but imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. For when God made the promise to Abraham, since he could swear by no one greater, he swore by himself, saying that I will surely bless you and I will surely multiply you. And so having patiently waited, he obtained the promise. For men swear by one greater than themselves, and with them an oath is given as confirmation it is an end of every dispute. In the same way, God desiring even more to show to the heirs of the promise the unchangeableness of his purpose, interposed with an oath, so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have refused, or excuse me, we who have taken refuge would have strong encouragement to take hold of the hope set before us. This hope we have is an anchor of the soul, a hope both sure and steadfast, and one which enters within the veil, where Jesus has entered as a forerunner for us, having become a high priest according to the order of Melchizedek. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for your word, and Father, I pray that we experience, not just talk about and know about, but we experience the better things you're referring to here. I pray and ask you to speak to our hearts, ask you to open our eyes. And I pray that you'll do the work that you intend to do this morning. We thank you for your presence. Because you've promised us where two or three gather in your name, there you are with us. And so, Father, we look to you, the author and finisher of our faith, our faith, to do some of your finishing work today. We praise you, we thank you, we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as we look at better things this morning, we're going to discover that God sees, we're going to discover that God promises, and we're also going to learn that we can trust Him. We begin with God sees. God is, listen, God is paying attention. He sees and remembers. Sometimes it seems like He's so far off. It seems like He's at a distance. It seems like He's not really here. He's just somebody we have faith in that sits in heaven and is like sitting there watching and kind of keeping an eye on things 
but not really paying attention to what's going on in our lives. You ever feel that way in your journey with the Lord? Wonderful. Because we can get in a position where we feel distant. And here's the thing. He sees and remembers the work you're doing. He sees the work. The things you do as you serve the Lord do not escape His attention. And so often when we serve the Lord, it's not for the sight of other men. It's not in view. It's little things where we know that God wants us to do it and we just do it. I want you to know today, based upon these verses, God has seen that. He's seen those little things you've done. He pays attention and he remembers. But he doesn't just see those things. He sees the love that you have shown toward his name. Now you may be saying, well, when have I done that? Well, he explains that here. He says, in ministering to the saints. So essentially, when we minister to one another, when we show our love or or give comfort and guidance or just a listening ear or a, a tear with somebody who's weeping or rejoice with somebody who's rejoicing. We are showing love to the Lord when we do that. See, so often we go, well, we're supposed to love the Lord with all our heart. What does that mean? Well, here's what it means. Our love for one another and our ministering to one another or people at your job or your family or people that you know is love for the Lord. That's manifested love for the Lord. And he sees that. It does not escape his attention. And so, parents, think, think about this for just a minute. Parents, how do you feel when your kids fight? How do you feel? You all had the same look. You all had that grin and that... I'm not sure if you were grinning or baring your teeth. <laughs> but but when you hear your kids playing in the other room or they're having fun together and you're not involved, doesn't that do something for your heart too? Right? And so it's the same way. I think it's the same way with the Lord. I think it breaks his heart when he hears Christians fighting with each other. And instead of surrendering together, seeking Him together, or just enjoying and loving on one another. We react that way, why wouldn't He? Why wouldn't He react with that great joy? Because He's paying attention. But then, He gives us this instruction here, and tells us to show the same diligence to realize the full assurance of hope to the end. What on earth is he talking about? That sounds like a lot of, it just doesn't fit. We need to pay as much attention to the Lord as he does to us. See, the diligence that he's talking about that we show the same as, is the same as the one he's showing to us. How he pays attention and he sees the little things. I want you to think for just a moment with your life. If you were paying that kind of attention to what he's doing, how would it change it? If you notice the little nuances or the little comments that were open doors or little opportunities for seeds to be planted. You know, when we think about seed planting, we think about long rows being plowed 
where seeds can go in. But some people, have you ever watched some people plant where they just take the spade, they'll kind of move the dirt out, drop the seed in and let it go back? Have you ever seen anybody do that? I'm not sure that sometimes that we don't have those little opportunities just to put a seed in. And he gives them and they're small. But what I'm also somewhat convicted of is the Lord is working around us all the time in in big and little things. We think that when God shows up, it's got to be this big cloud, this beam of light that comes from heaven and says, Mark. Well, he wouldn't say that to you unless your name's Mark. Pay attention. Here's what I want you to do. I think sometimes it's more like a spade saying, hey, here's your opening. Hey, you know, the thing you're praying about, I'm not going to answer it the way you were thinking, but I've got a better plan over here. And we see it, but we don't respond to it because we're on our own agenda, not on his. But if we're paying attention and seeing what he was doing, see, the same diligence he applies to us, he wants us to apply to him. And so God sees. And he, and he encourages us to do the same thing. So what is the full assurance of hope? See, we talk about hope as a Christian, don't we? We talk about having hope. We talk about things that we hope for. But what is the full assurance of hope? See, <laughs> the full assurance of hope is this. It's where you become convinced concerning Christ. We move from... From I hope so, to having confidence in the one who is our hope. See, a lot of things, when we think about our Christian walk, we kind of hope that God comes through. We pray about something, we're hopeful that he'll do it. But that's not hope. Hope is where I'm convinced, I'm rested, I'm confident that He's going to deliver. And if he doesn't, then I'm where I need to be. Hope is where it's settled for me that I'm in Christ and he's in me and I can trust him no matter what comes my way. Because if I'm only hoping so, I'm hoping in hope and not hoping in Christ. Does that make sense? I hope that my hope is enough. I hope that I haven't misplaced my hope. That's not hope. That's not full assurance. See, because assurance, when somebody, well, think about it like this. When somebody assures you or reassures you, they're letting you know it's going to be okay. They're going to be there, right? So the full assurance of our hope is a convincing of us that Christ will be there for us in our life. And so when we, if we come to that place where I know that he will always be there for me, It will change how I live my life. That's why he wants us to come to full assurance. Because we're not walking in fear and trying to kind of, we don't want to push God too far. No, we're listening and paying attention and we're involved in what he's doing. Because we have a full assurance of our hope. And some of the, here's the results of this. Now watch this. It's interesting, it's right here. The results of coming to the full assurance of your hope is you will not be sluggish. We'll be motivated to serve. See, if I'm not fully assured that Christ is who he says he is and will do everything he says he'll do, 
when he tells me something, why would I just be sold out to that? I would have apprehension. I would have, I don't know, you know, what happens if I lose my job? You know, am I, you, I'm supposed to witness to my friend or my boss? You know, it's amazing that we would trade eternity for a job. Does that make sense? Yeah. See what I'm saying? If you think about it from an, eternal, from an immediate perspective, that's frightening, right? But we're not called to the immediate. This world is not our home. But you don't understand, Pastor, if I lose my job, if you lose your job, God will deliver you another one if you're in the center of His will. Either that or, or your unemployment will go further than you could ever think. I can tell you story after story after story after story of people who have lost their job, tithed on their unemployment, and a year and a half later, they get another job. I don't know how they made it. Yes, I do. His name is Jesus. I can tell you personal stories. Where in obedience to the Lord, we gave a, we walked away from 80% of our income. And made it. Only the Lord can do that. He has an accounting method that we have not learned of. All I'm saying, listen, that's the untouchable in church, right? But you know what? I disagree with that. If we're sold out, we're sold out with everything. It don't matter what it is. Heart, mind, soul, body, strength, wallet. I knew one man that got baptized with his wallet in his pocket. He said, that needs to go too. That needs to go too. We don't hold out on the Lord. Sold out. God sees. You're not going to be sluggish. When I'm convinced, man, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do what he says. Sometimes the reason we're not doing that is because of our uncertainty with the Lord. Now, one of the other benefits is that you'll be imitators. You will be imitators of those who walk through faith and patience and will inherit the promises. Because see, here's the thing. If we're imitators of those who walk with faith and patience, it's because we have faith and patience. Does that make sense? If I'm doing what they're doing, it's because I have it. It's not because I'm just imitating. You ever seen an an imitation? Some people are really good at it. Terry can do, y'all don't know this about Terry, but she can do voices really good. She can do voices. We've tried to do like actors' voices and stuff. She can nail it. She's really good at it. It's so funny. It's funny because it's so close. But when we walk as those who have faith, when we walk as those who trust the Lord, we're in the position of walking in faith and trusting the Lord. He's not talking about a show. He's talking about a real transformation. And so what happens is, is see, God sees all of this. See, He sees you. The question is, are you seeing Him? Let's be honest. Are we seeing Him in the work He's doing around us? We kind of just survive a day. I mean, if I were to ask you about your day, you would tell me what time you get up. Because you got to get the kids ready, you got to get this. You want to be, you want to try to get out out of the house on time, 
or early enough to beat the traffic and you know the routes to work that are faster, right? Don't we look for those? This is Austin, come on. We look for those. And then we have to beat the kids a certain time. We got these things at work and it's like Monday through Friday. It's the same thing. Does anybody look for God in there? Life has a tendency to steal away our sensitivity to the Lord. I have been so challenged with that. <laughs> Several weeks. With just being in the, with the, I would say the right place at the right time, not of my own choosing. I just happen to be there. And a conversation will strike up. And I usually have, and those of you who know me kind of know what's going on with me. I have like 95 things on my list that have to be done by midnight. And I can either let the list lead me or the Lord. And it's hard because the list screams. <laughs> All right. But we have to choose the Lord. We have to. So the encouraging thing for all of us this morning is God sees. But are we seeing Him? We see God's promises in verse 13 through 16. See, He made a commitment to Abraham. And He swore by Himself because there wasn't anybody greater. What a cool <laughs> well, I'm going to swear an oath to you by myself because there's nobody greater than me. That just tells you who God is a little bit. If we were to say that, it would seem arrogant, right? Mm-hmm. I'll swear by me because ain't nobody greater than me. I sound like Muhammad Ali, don't I? <laughs> I am the greatest. <laughs> I'm sorry, I see all these little funny things here all the time. But he swore by an oath by himself. How cool is it? That he even swore by himself the greatest of the great of the one who just went and just made the start. And we have a whole study of science. And it was so funny. I was listening to this scientist the other day. And he was talking about, you know, this is what we know. But we're discovering all these new things. And I'm like, then you don't know them. <laughs> you know, if you're just still discovering, you don't know them. And God did it in one verse. And that God swore by himself an oath to Abraham. So watch how this goes. Watch how this plays out. Then we're told that Abraham, or that because Abraham patiently waited, he received the promise. And I read that and I went, what? (laughs) What on earth? Abraham didn't wait. (laughs) He went and had Ishmael with Hagar. Right? Isn't that how we would see it? Well, God's word says that he waited. So we can't be talking about that. So I want you to watch how this works. Because that's my initial reaction. So, because I'm just crazy like that. What was Abraham doing when the whole thing with Hagar happened? He was trying to fulfill God's promises, wasn't he? So he never stopped waiting. He just tried to rush God a little bit. Hmm. He was still waiting. 
We do the same thing, don't we? Come on, God, hurry up. How many of you are a sprinter in a marathon with the Lord? That's me. That's me. I would be the one that dropped the baton. Oh, he took off too early. Then I have to go back and pick it up. And then everybody would talk about me for, for the next four years. That's an Olympic reference. All right. What happens to sprinters in the marathon? They burn out, don't they? Because they don't understand the pace. We have to see. This is what goes back to seeing. We have to see what he's doing. And paying attention to that. Then we get to enter into the promises of what he's doing. And so it's amazing the story of that confidence. And here's the, here's the really encouraging thing about Abraham. Confidence in the Lord doesn't mean perfection on my part. Confidence in the Lord and him still using me and me waiting doesn't mean perfection. Because Abraham wasn't perfect, was he? He messed up. He tried to help God out. We do that too. And God still used him. He became a father. He fulfilled his promises. Because God swore by himself. Not based upon something Abraham would do or not do. You know. Today. We swear by God. Because there is none greater. When we put our hand on the Bible and raise our right hand and tell the truth, the whole truth is nothing but the truth. So help me. Why do we do that? Because there is none greater. And it gives the hearer a confidence level that what I'm going to say is truth because I'm swearing by God. Why even take the oath? Because there's something that happens in us when an oath is taken. When we're under oath to tell the truth. So swearing by something is meant to give our claim more credibility and put an end to the dispute. It's meant to end all doubt. And so God made a commitment. He sees and he promises. But here's the thing, and this is where I think some of the, man, this, I'm telling you, I get you. This is where some of the trouble can be. That we can trust Him. Boy, if I were to ask us all this morning, do you trust the Lord? We all, right? Wouldn't we do that? I trust Him. Do you? How many things are you trying to handle for Him because He's not handling it the way you would want to handle it? Alright, some of the hands are going down. How many of you have ever prayed a prayer that seemed like the Lord didn't answer? There goes some more hands. Do you trust him? Right? And we could go on and on. The problem is we really don't trust him. That's a real problem. Even though he sees everything, even though he's made promises to us too, we really think that we've got the best beat on our own life and we just want God to kind of make that work. So here, in verses 17 through 20, God took an oath communicating to us the unchangeableness. I I almost thought that was a made-up word. The unchangeableness 
My spell check didn't do anything with the <laughs> The unchangeableness of his purpose. I make words up all the time. The unchangeableness of his purpose. Say that fast three times. See, and how this breaks out is this. You know what his purpose is? And the, it, how do we understand scripture? Context, right? That which comes before. Let me, you all know the layers of context? Have you ever heard this? Alright, can I chase this rabbit for a second? <laughs> the verses immediately surrounding your verse, the chapter, the book, the other books by that same author, the Testament, and then the whole Bible. It has to jive with all that. Those are your layers of context. And so in context, his purpose is to be the anchor of our soul. I am so glad that's his purpose for me. To be the anchor for my soul. It's based on a couple things here. It's based on the fact that it's impossible for God to lie. Right? Everybody agree with that? Amen? Amen. It's impossible for God to lie. (laughs) But it's also very possible for us to misunderstand Him a lot. Wow, y'all were loud. (laughs) So, He cannot lie. Because by definition, He is truth, right? John 1. John 1, 14. And so it's impossible for him to lie. It's also based on the fact that we're encouraged to take hold of the hope set before us. And so... If he's an anchor to my soul, I want my the anchors in my life, not liars. Right? I want somebody who's going to be straight and true, who's going to tell me the truth, even if it hurts my feelings. Does God hurt our feelings sometimes when we read his word? Yes. Because my feelings need to be hurt because I'm not in line. But there's always a sense of hope that comes with it. Where he says, that's... Not the way. This is the way. And then you're like, oh. That's called godly owies. Y'all ever get owies? You know, boys and girls, adults still get owies. And they're meant to indicate that either we're not where we speak need to be, that we're doing something we shouldn't do. But I think most importantly, they're meant to let us know that we're missing out on the relationship part. And so, since Jesus is our hope, why do we live with unbelief over the things that God has said?
Why do we live with unbelief if he's our hope? We say, I don't live with unbelief. We've already addressed that, that we do. Why do we still doubt that he wants the very best for us? I think it's because we grew up in a very self-centered society that appeals to us. And essentially we're taught early on that no one's going to ever look out for you like you. No one is going to love you like you love yourself. We're even, even the Bible says love them like you love yourself. But what if there was somebody who loved us more than we loved ourselves? I want you to just, if I can just leave, if, if we can go this far today. What if, if you leave with at least the contemplation of this idea. What if there was somebody who actually truly loved you more than you love yourself? Hmm. I want to tell you there is. And I hope that you come to accept that because it will transform your life. And if I knew somebody like that, I can trust them. I think we really don't understand who God is. And we really don't understand who we are. And so we can rest assured... <laughs> Christ, as the anchor of our soul, gives our soul steadfastness in the midst of the storm. Isn't that what an anchor is? It keeps us from moving. We use it in a bad way sometimes. You're just an anchor around my neck. We use it in a negative way. But I'll tell you what. If you're in a boat, y'all ever watch the show Deadliest Catch? Anybody watch the show? Mm-hmm. Y'all ever seen that? Without the, I remember this. I can't remember who was driving or which boat it was. But the, you, one of y'all will know. I guarantee it. But there was there was a bad hurricane coming through, and they pulled into the harbor, and there was no room at the docks, so they anchored in the harbor, and their anchor tore away, and it was an emergency. They lost their anchor. And so they were all in jeopardy at that point. And I think if we don't understand and have our anchor secure, that it is an emergency. And we are in jeopardy. If we're trusting other things and allowing the world to tell us what's okay and not okay, then I think we're losing our anchor and slipping away. Because our hope is to be in Him. See, sure and steadfast, it's not an illusion you can count on it. He said it, you can't lie. One, he talks about this. Our hope is sure and steadfast. Our hope is one which enters the veil. What on earth is he talking about? There was a veil that separated the holy of holies from the holy place. And our hope, Jesus Christ, has access to the Father. Because of that, we have access. When Jesus was crucified, the veil was rent from top to bottom, from God to us, giving us access. And so it's funny how all this, remember, he's writing to a Jewish audience here. And so he's telling them, 
that Jesus has access. And so here's the bottom line. He's sure and steadfast with access. We can trust him, folks. You can trust him. You can trust him. He's not going to take anything away from you that's, that's going to help you. And he's not going to give you anything that's going to hurt you. Now, are some of the things that come our way that he allows bring pain? Yes, they do. How many of you? How many of you have children? How many of your kids have ever had to learn the hard way? How many of you have ever told your kids not to do something because it would hurt them and they did it anyway? And then you were like. Well, there you go. No, you, no, you didn't. I'm sure you guys were, didn't do that. I'm sure you were like, oh, I'm so sorry that that happened to you, that you got electrocuted when I told you to put that in there. Yeah, I'm sure that you guys were full of compassion and mercy. The bottom line is, folks, we can trust him. And so what better things is the writer talking about here if we kind of sum this up? I'm going to give you three things that I think that are the better things as we start to understand. Because he says there weren't better things for you. We come to this idea that we realize that God's more engaged with us than we realize. God's more engaged with us than we realize. That's cool. That's a better thing. Some of you are going, I hope you don't find out about that. that you know, he, I got news for you. I'm going to help you all this morning. He already knows about it. Before you even do it. He knows about it. So you don't have to worry about him finding out because he already knows. It's admitting it to him. That's such a freak. And so God's more engaged with us than we realize. We're not just one of the masses. He sees and remembers your work. You know, we have a tendency as Christians, and I know because I sat in the pew for years, think, well, I'm just one of the cogs. I'm, one of the, I'm not one of those leaders up there in the church. You know, they were the important Christians, right? That is garbage. I'm going to tell you that's garbage. You matter as much as anybody that's up here. Because the truth is, we are all called to ministry. Every one of us. We serve in different places and different locations, but our calling is exactly the same. And I've said this a hundred times. The second that God says, I'm done, I'm done. I will not go past that line. If he, wants, if he said, Mark, I'm done with you up here. I just want you handing out bulletins. Because anything else would be disobedience, right? Then my joy is found in obedience. And so he's more engaged than you realize. Listen, you, this is really cool. You do not have to get his attention, you haven't. Awesome. You know how you have to, hey, hey, put the phone down and listen to me. <laughs> You guys never have to say that to each other. 
We're the only generation that it looks like we have osteoporosis at 22 because we're. <laughs> How many of you have ever gotten a cramp in your thumb from using your phone? <laughs> Thank you, Stephen. So he's more engaged than you realize, too. There are many promises God has made to us that we can count on because of Him. Let me give you a few. Right? That statement begs the question, what are they? Eternal life? When does eternal life end? Never. Never ends. Because if it ends, it's not eternal. That would be a lie. And He can't lie. So he's given us eternal life. Access to him. We have access to the Father through Jesus Christ. It's a promise. Illumination of his word. You say, well, I read it and I just can't understand it. You can't do it with the natural mind. It's not meant by, you don't understand spiritual things by human intelligence. It's not because you're smart enough. Because a lot of you are very smart. The smartest people in the world can miss the Lord by trusting in their intelligence. I think that's a handicap. Good thing I don't have it. <laughs> Illumination. Leading. He promises to lead. His word is a lamp unto our feet and a... Light into our path. I saw that as one thing for a while. It's not, it's two. You got to know where you stand and you got to know where to go. He shows you both. And sometimes the one of where you are is not always pretty. Anybody ever stepped in something they wish they hadn't stepped in? Like gum. And other things. <laughs> Mud. Well, don't you love this Central Texas mud? It layers. We get cakes of it. Yeah. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, come out to my house. We'll take a walk. So, the promises we can count on because of Him. Three, trust Him is hard for us because we don't understand the benefits of pain. <laughs> Nobody said amen to that one. We don't understand the benefits of pain. When you're a kid, do you understand the benefits of pain? Mm -hmm. Parents, do we understand the benefits of pain when our kids are young? Mm -hmm. We do, don't we? Mm -hmm. If we correct them and apply a little pain, mm -hmm. it's going to keep them from getting hurt worse, right? You apply a little correction to keep the worst thing from happening. And we are alive today, some of us, because our parents did that. Because <laughs> imagine what my dad's father was like. <laughs> he was a good man. But I bet he was tough on a farm growing up. I bet he had to be cracking the whip early. Got out there. You know what? I, I did not. I heard of mucking stalls. I never knew until I had <laughs> muck stalls. It's exhausting. 
If you've never had that, call me. I can help you out with that too. <laughs> and so trusting is hard. Listen, when hurting, when we're hurting, we have the tendency to blame instead of looking for it. Well, how come I'm going through this? Or how come this is happening? Instead of saying, Lord, in the middle of all this, where are you? What are you up to? Why is it this way? We want deliverance and not insight. Because we think a blessed life means there's no pain. Was Jesus' life blessed? No. Yes. Did he suffer pain? Oh, yeah. Blessings are not pain-free and everything coming up roses. Blessing, you want to know what the word bless, blessing means? Insightfulness into what God's up to. Oh. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see, see God. God. I'm dying to get to that. I'm not going to rush through Hebrews to get there, but I think I am going to do that next. Unless something changes by the end of Hebrews. Because that's the story of somebody coming to an understanding and brokenness. All those things, blessed are, they're not individual things. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall become. What happens? Well, who's mourning when something's dying? Brokenness. That's just a, an insight into that whole thing. And so trust Him. Trust Him. You know, there's a man. <laughs> He was staying in a cottage in the Swiss, Swiss Alps. And in the morning, he heard what sounded like an earthquake and quickly rushed down to the front counter because he was scared. And he asked the guy, the, the attendant at the counter, and the attendant at the counter explained, he said, Sir, we're on the west side of the mountain. As the sun comes up on the east side, the snow and ice expand as they begin to warm. The expand causes a large cracking noise. It's not the end. <laughs> it is, it's not the end of the world. It's just the beginning of a new day. And so some of the things that have happened in our life. That were a loud crashing noise. That we thought was the end of our life. The end of the world is over. We're just the beginning of a new day. We have to allow them to be that way. That's part of the better things. Moving into the better things. Is seeing the hand of God. And accepting. What's going on. We miscategorize things. And blame God for the, for the confusion. It's not God's fault. Ladies and gentlemen. It's ours. We have to own it. But he has better things for you. And the better things are all found in Him. I'm going to ask everybody to bow their head and close their eyes.